Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On The Pillars, we discuss various resilience topics to help you practically fix any issue you may encounter and help you finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. Today, we are out at the 306 Intelligence Squadron in Oklahoma City talking with the squadron commander of the 306, Lieutenant Colonel Steve McFadden. Colonel McFadden, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Walker. Yeah. Sounds like you uh, might have done that intro once or twice before. <laughs> We've had some practice. This is episode 40-something, so <laughs> heard it once or twice before. Very good. Um, so, Chaplain Bridgen normally does these podcasts with me, but uh, today he is actually out visiting our folks in Nellis, so you get the benefit from uh, yours truly <laughs> all alone. So we'll see how this goes without his repartee. Uh, well, Colonel McFadden, uh, thank you again for, for sitting down and talking with us. Uh, we've been very impressed uh, by the work that your folks do and just the caliber of the instructor cadre that you have out here. Uh, but we wanted to sit down with you today to get a sense of who you are and uh, what your pathway through the Air Force has been leading up to now your, your squadron command. Sure. Uh, well, goodness. Um, so I'm from a small town in eastern North Carolina called Goldsboro. It's the home of Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. Uh, pretty pretty small base, actually. But um, born and raised, kind of grew up watching the, uh, the F-4s and the, the B-52s fly around. Uh, really no uh, prior uh, military affiliation in my family, uh, but I always thought that was really cool. My parents always took me to the uh, to the air shows growing up, and um, you know, I thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to do. And uh, um, it was actually uh, about halfway through college, and uh, one of my friends was interested in speaking with the uh, the ROTC recruiter, but he didn't want to go alone. So me, with my long hair and my earring, uh, decided <laughs> to go with him to. Uh, to just uh, essentially be his wingman while he talked to the recruiter. Of course, I was sitting in the back of the room making jokes and you know rolling my eyes pretty much the entire time. And so you weren't really considering it. Absolutely point. not. Not, being not even wingman. close. Uh, but I, I heard the spiel, and uh, lo and behold, he didn't sign up, and, and I did. So um, <clears throat> the rest is kind of history. Uh, so from there, I uh, went on to uh, uh, at the time was called undergraduate navigator training in uh, at Randolph Air Force Base in Texas uh, for the the mighty uh, T forty three, which is the uh, the 737 uh, that has now been decommissioned. Okay. By the way, that's that's when you know you've really arrived at the Air Force when they claim <laughs> that you've flown on active duty has been officially decommissioned and put in the boneyard. So uh, I guess that means I'm getting old. But anyway, uh, from there went on to uh, fly the road joint for uh, for many many years, and uh, then went on to uh, the EC-130 down to Davis Mothin. Okay. Did a stint at uh, uh, headquarters Air Combat Command up at Langley, and uh, somehow some way landed. Uh, here in command uh, of an uh, Intel squadron, so yeah, so here we so, are. So how did that happen? You going as a as a flying guy to an Intel? Unit? Yeah, you know, I'm still trying to kind of figure that out myself. Um, so we, uh, the squadron command process is a boarded process, uh, just like uh, you know, promotion process or, or, or many other processes in the Air Force. Um, and I, I did put my name in for consideration for squadron command, but it was for squadron command of more ops type. Uh, you know, flying squadrons. So how I ended up on the 14N command list with one other rated guy, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. So uh, there must be somebody out there that, uh, that had a plan. Okay. Well, how has that um, worked either to your advantage or disadvantage uh, working with other, uh, well, I guess not 14Ns, but the, the Tizos and, and Dizos come through training here? Sure. Well, I'll tell you initially, um, 
the learning curve was extremely steep because I did not speak special operations being an ACC guy my entire career, and I did not speak 14N or, or Intel uh, when I got here. So uh, I had to get up to speed very, very quickly uh, to be able to, to get this job done uh, on both of those fronts. Uh, but it's been fun. I, I always enjoy kind of uh, um, learning about new communities and, and new ways of doing business. Um, I think it's been advantageous to, to have a rated guy uh, specifically here at the 306, uh, given our unique situation. Uh, so we are a, a tenant unit of a, an Air National Guard uh, uh, Special Operations Wing. Uh, they have been a flying wing for, for many, many years. They flew uh, 135s and C-130s and, and now the MC-12 aircraft. Uh, in a lot of ways, what we do is, is very... Uh, close to, um, you know, the, the, the training that the rated guys have to go through, uh, you know, here at the South. So um, having that background uh, for f- not just operations, but, but flying training as well uh, has, has been an asset both in being able to speak that language with the guard uh, and enter kind of on a common plane with them, uh, but also know what we need to to develop here locally to be successful at this training mission. Excellent. So, so what you're saying is that even though you may not have had a background in Intel, you're able to use your adaptability and your, your prowess at, at learning new fields and uh, you know new ways of doing things that are tangential to your primary career field um, and leverage those strengths that you had to, to make this mission happen. Yeah, well, adaptability and prowess might be a little generous, but uh, <laughs> uh, for sure. So, sir, you mentioned that you're an active duty ACC unit here on an Air National Guard Special Operations Wing. What kind of challenges does that uh, impose for for your squadron? Um, so many. Uh, to, to answer your question uh, up front, uh, we are unique uh, within uh, the 361st and, and I think probably within the 363rd uh, ISRW as far as we are an active duty unit that's stationed uh, on an Air National Guard base. Uh, so I, I think I mentioned previously uh, the uh, 137 Special Operations Wing is an AFSOC uh, gained wing that's an Air National Guard wing. Uh, that's our, our host here. Uh, we are an ACC uh, gained unit that uh, is tied administratively and for care and feeding, if you will, to the 72nd Air Base Wing, uh, about 25 minutes up the road at Tinker Air Force Base, and they are an AFMC gained unit. Uh, and at that same time, we've got uh, TDY students here from Goodfellow Air Force Base that remained AETC gained uh, while they were here. So um, we've got a, a quite a bit of paperwork to look at uh, yeah. <laughs> working with four different match comms on the active duty side and then also having to work total force with the guard so there's uh, potentially a lot of different bosses a lot of different different places that you've got to levy requests for funding and personnel and operational requirements yeah that, that's a, a great point uh, um you know we, we always have uh we call them asks uh, for, for various uh, entities for, for things that we need. And we have to be very cognizant here at the 306, uh, given the unique situation that we're in, uh, that we are asking the right people for the right stuff at the right time. So, right, sir. So you have to be um, very forward thinking in, in how you go about asking for certain things and how you try to grow the 306 and accomplish your mission. Um, and it sounds like you're, you've got some things and some irons in the fire right now uh, for the way forward. We do. So it's a very exciting time 
uh, for the 306 and and honestly the the Tizo and Dizo Enterprises as a whole uh, because um, uh, the change that's coming is is uh, in my estimation long overdue. Um, this uh, the Tizo career field especially um, was really um, kind of a, a product of an immediate need back in the mid 2000s. Uh, a lot of uh, processes. Um, that were put in place were kind of out of necessity uh, versus, you know, ideal processes. Uh, and today uh, we're still dealing with a lot of the, uh, um, um, I'm sure the word I'm looking for here. <laughs> um, I guess a lot of the, the fallout from, um, you know, how quickly this career field was was brought into being and, and fielded. Um, the Air Force is signaling that, uh, that this is, you know, the TISO career field is not going anywhere. It's going to be an enduring capability. Therefore, we need to uh, deliberately professionalize and normalize uh, the way we're doing business uh, within this career field. And I heard, uh, and you, heard you say the other day that the TISO career field in particular is in high demand. It, it absolutely is. In fact, the, the uh, you know the battlefield commander's uh, request for TISO support is, is is astronomical, and it's it's uh, almost to the point of being insatiable. Uh, to be honest, uh, they, they perform an incredible function, and it's highly desirable for these com uh, component commanders. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, and ISR in general uh, is is typically in, in extremely high demand, and demand uh, outstrips uh, our ability to to produce it. Same with the TISOs. Um, but we are uh, finally making uh, concerted efforts towards uh, manning to the level that, that we think is, is going to be most appropriate for to support the uh, the various uh, requests that we get throughout the year uh, for support. So um, we are expecting uh, an over doubling of uh, of the students that we're going to see next year through ACCT, which is the ground portion of the training that we currently provide here at, at Will Rogers. Mm -hmm. So, so you came in and. and essentially had to stand up this capability and figure out how to, to do things in relatively unorthodox manner compared to maybe some other uh, active duty training units. And then now you're looking in the, in the near future to not only uh, double your output of folks that are going through training, but also augment the training that's that's currently being done in the pipeline. Um, a lot more expectation, um, a lot more pressure maybe on you and the instructor cadre, um, and probably a lot of you know stress and strain when it comes to meeting all these new requirements and expectations. Uh, how are you anticipating uh, managing that yourself and then with your with your guys? Yeah, there, there, there are definitely going to be some growing pains uh, as we, um, you know, you can't double the size of an organization and not go through growing pains. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think you mentioned a, a great point, uh, the fact that this is, is very unorthodox, uh, the way we're doing business. In fact, uh, unorthodox is, is probably a, a pretty fair description that you could assign to the, the Tizzo crew field in general. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was developed kind of in, in an unorthodox manner, um, and it, it has continued so. Um, but the fact that these guys perform so well, uh, given these these challenges that we have, is, is uh, amazes me on a daily basis. So, um, you know, given the fact that we are in this uh, orthodox situation here, uh, being an active unit on a guard base, um, we don't have, or our guys uh, specifically, don't have ready access to uh, a lot of um, the resiliency type uh, programs that would be offered even even on a normal active duty base. Sure. Um, 
but more so um, specifically the ones that are, are offered to um, to our AFSOC brethren, uh, you know, the, the 43rd and the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they enjoy uh, a lot of the, the refit uh, and the resiliency stuff that AFSOC's been, been using for many years quite successfully now um, that we have uh, asked for uh, but, but don't quite have in place yet for our guys. Uh, so we have to get creative. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I think uh, that uh, really helps us out here is uh, a fairly robust key spouse program. Uh, my uh, my wife Sarah is the uh, key spouse mentor for the unit, and then uh, uh, Mary Wing, uh, one of our uh, tech sergeant instructors' uh, wives, is the key spouse uh, of record for the 306. Okay. And uh, and she is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, she sets up uh, 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 usually a, a squadron outing at least quarterly for us. Uh, the last okay. one was uh, at Whitewater Bay, which is a, a water park here, and we uh, essentially shut down business for the for most of the day and went out there and caught some sun and nice. uh, additionally we, we like to have uh, a cookout at least once a month we call it a firebird family friday or triple f nice. uh, where we just uh, again shut down about noon uh, throw some burgers on the on the back grill there and uh, have all the, the families and the kids out uh, just play games and, and kind of goof off for the for the afternoon um, additionally we engage in uh, uh, a number of uh, these types of uh, resiliency activities with uh, with the host unit here, the 137 Sal. Okay. Uh, the one that they're planning for right now that uh, was really fun last year is called the uh, the Trunk or Treat event, where uh, you decorate your uh, your trunk and then the kids come by in costume and uh, hand out candy and stuff. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, and then some of the, the the most I think fun things are, are the impromptu uh, things that kind of pop up. Uh, if you've ever been in a flying squadron or you know a member of a, an air crew, these guys can get uh, pretty creative. And um, uh, you know the the McDonald's chicken McNugget eating contest uh, that we had not too long ago um, was uh, was a sight to behold. But uh, I'm I'm intrigued. Can you tell me a bit more about that story? So our uh, our student flow is not linear. Sometimes we're slammed with students and we're we're in here you know teach until midnight and sometimes it's pretty slow back there uh during the slow times is when we kind of try to address you know some of the the lingering paperwork you know syllabus development etc cetera, etc cetera. but sometimes honestly they have trouble filling the day um so the i think it was with the olympics last year uh, i can't remember i think so maybe it might have been last year i don't or remember earlier this year anyway there uh someone was inspired uh <laughs> to to do some Olympic style uh, event in the back and uh, these things kind of have a tendency to gain steam and Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden we were calling around to five different McDonald's to be able to produce (laughs) enough nuggets to have this nugget eating contest how Um, many did y'all order all together it was well into the hundreds. I don't recall how many, but it, we, we literally had to visit a number of McDonald's <laughs> locations to get enough nuggets uh, to, to satisfy the, the contest. Um, the winner, by the way, is one of our smallest guys back there. Uh, I believe it was 80 nuggets, a Big Mac, a McFlurry, and a large fry. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, they, uh, they even went so far as to make medals for first, second, third. They took and uh, dehydrated and then shellacked and painted an actual chicken nugget with a, uh, with a lanyard for, uh, I love it. for gold, silver, and, and bronze. And, uh, <laughs> there's probably still back there today. So, um, anyway, that's the, the, the type of folks we have in the back. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we, we uh, you know, we actually take uh, the resiliency um, piece seriously here. Uh, AFSOC, I think, is really leading the charge on that uh, and doing a great job. And I think the other MAGCOMs are now starting to catch on that, you know, this is absolutely the way to do business uh, yes, to keep guys in the fight. So, absolutely. Um, you know, so we're absolutely looking to get some of those more traditional uh, programs in place here at the 306 uh, to be able to. Uh, to take care of our guys a little bit better. But um, until then, um, you know, I think we're, we're getting by and, and, and making it up as we go, uh, but it's working for us. Outstanding. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think um, the direction that AFSOC has gone with their, their POTIF programs and some of the other resources that they have available to their guys is starting to proliferate throughout the other MAGCOMs now. And it wouldn't surprise me in the next several years that we start to see more of that infiltrate um, into definitely our organization and, and others like it. Um, but I, I know that's something that's important to you and something that uh, our Airman Resilience team is going to continue to try to work. One thing you touched on that I, I want to really emphasize um, matches what I saw when I talked to a lot of you guys earlier this week was they seem to have a really great sense of community. And, and by that, I mean, um, they are, you know, they are one, they're, they're together. They're, you know, not just coworkers, but they're, they're friends. It seems like they really rely on trust and support each other. And it makes sense, uh, especially given how your organization is set up, um, that they are in some, you know, some mental, uh, perspective way, isolated um, from other active duty units, from other ACC units. And so with you guys on this installation, it actually facilitates that bonding um, and helps them become a you know close-knit community where they can rely and support each other. Can you can you speak to that anymore? Yeah, so great observation. Uh, it's one I've noticed as well. Uh, and that's not really anything you can, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, you know, you can certainly set set the stage for that to occur, but that's not something you can force uh, on on any group uh, or unit. Uh, it's something that just kind of you set the the parameters for, and then it develops. Um, the Tizzo community, in in and of itself, is is a small community to begin with. A lot of them, sure, you know, most everybody knows everyone else uh, in the Tizzo community. Uh, so you, you've got that going for us. Uh, then we are kind of out here, you know, alone and unafraid. Um, we're on the Air National Guard base. That. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't know anyone here before I got here, mm -hmm. um, but they've been great hosts. They've welcomed us and, and made us feel a part of, uh, of their community here locally, uh, which I think has helped. Um, but these guys have really, yeah, they've pulled together. Um, you know, I think it's, it's partially because we're out here uh, by ourselves, but, um, I noticed the same thing, um, when I, uh, when I visited our, our, our brothers out at Cannon, uh, them being kind of you know, out there in Clovis by themselves, uh, mm -hmm. they're a little tighter knit, I think, than, than, uh, you see elsewhere. Um, but that's, uh, I, I take that as a positive. I think that's, uh, definitely impacts the, uh, the work we do here, uh, in a positive way. So. Outstanding. So I, I, if I could bring everything together that we've talked about, some of the keys to success for you and for the 306 has been that adaptability, uh, figuring out ways to work within the system, not despite it, um, building that sense of community and helping, helping the guys learn to uh, rely on each other to carve out time for those important community building events um, and then really focusing on the mission and, and the importance of it. 
giving the guys an opportunity to not just learn their jobs, but to uh, create a, a passion for it and to see the importance of uh, what they do contribute to the operational missions. It seems like all those things have, have led to what is, um, I think these were your words, making the 306 one of the premier training squadrons. Absolutely. Um, and uh, something I've tried to emphasize uh, to the guys, and I'm moving around my chair, sorry, uh, during my tenure here is um, I've always uh, run after a goal uh, harder, it seems, if I knew the why behind the how. So I always stress, mm. uh, it, you know, if you if you can, if you're in a position to always explain the why behind the how of what you're doing, uh, and that creates the buy-in. And, and that's uh, that's what we've done here. That's what I've tried to uh, to foster since I, I got into the seat here. Uh, and I think it it does uh, cause them to to you know when they understand the why behind what they're doing uh, or the the greater why, uh, it causes them to 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 take that a little bit more pride in their job, and um, and it's something I've tried to foster, and, and it's something I think we're we're seeing results from, uh, and it's good to see. Um, but yeah, as far as being the the premier uh, training organization. Uh, I would absolutely love uh, nothing more than uh, at the end of this this huge growth here um, that we have become just that. You know, all, all training functions within the 361st uh, are aligned under one commander here out in Oklahoma City. Whether they're all physically co-located here or not is TBD. But um, one commander kind of pulling the levers and, and hitting the switches for uh, for both DISO and, and TISO training. And, uh, you know, I think we can we can pump out some of the, the best products we've uh, we've seen to date. So, Well, sir, if I can speak candidly, I think if your organization continues the trajectory that we've seen in our, our visits with you guys, that that's something definitely within the, the grasp uh, of the near future. Yep, so, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we are too. Well, Colonel McFadden, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for giving us some insight into to your organization and to yourself uh, and, and everything that you guys do out here. Um, it's it's critical to um, to everything that we do operationally in the 361st and the 363rd. And we're just pleased to see that, um, you know, you not only have a passion for this organization, but for your people as well. You bet. Thanks for coming to Oklahoma yeah. City. And thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. I'm Steve McFadden. And if you uh, have any questions for us or want to learn more about the Airman Resilience Team of the 363rd, please feel free to reach out to us on the global. Also look for our coming social media presence. And uh, in the meantime, have a great Air Force day. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.